Ireland, indeed the entire European Union, is under huge pressure at this time. And I think most people in the county in Clare are particularly familiar with this, given the major role County Clare has, has played in terms of accommodating and welcoming refugees. Um, so I suppose language, the language of this is really, really important. And there were some very interesting articles written on this over the weekend. Uh, most people, nearly everyone uh, that comes through this system is initially an asylum seeker, uh, but only some are ultimately granted refugee status. So I'd be very familiar with this down in Neelik, where I hail from. We have Ireland's longest full-time uh, asylum seeker centre in Akashin. Uh, we've had it there for decades. They're part of our community. They're friends of many of us. Uh, and I would have often seen over the years where uh, families would receive a letter that following consideration by the International Protection Office here in Ireland, it would have been deemed that their case or their reason for coming to Ireland uh, would not fit the definition of what a refugee should be. And they would receive a letter ordering that they be deported. And just for the listener's benefit, the reasons I suppose one can give for needing to be taking safe refuge in Ireland would include um, well-founded fears of being persecuted for reasons of race, religion, nationality, political opinion or membership of a particular social group. So a lot of people are granted um, the right to remain in Ireland as refugees. Uh, I have helped some individuals over the years, um, particularly when I was teaching at local school and teaching refugee children, I would have helped some families in their legal battles to remain. Um, and then others simply don't fulfil the criteria. So what the Taoiseach was saying at the weekend is if someone doesn't, if someone hasn't good, well-founded reasons to be here and has entered um, the country on, with false information or under false pretenses, then that system to deport them needs to kick in as well. This system needs to have full integrity. It needs to be fair. It needs to be kind and welcoming to the person who is seeking genuine relief from a, a harrowing situation overseas. But by the same token, it needs a full integrity. And it, we need to be known internationally as a country who has our arms wide open for people in need of help. But also that, um, you know, if you're going to come in under false pretenses or also to discourage human trafficking, something the teacher would have mentioned, that there is a robust system that is fair to everyone, uh, but that ultimately um, the system is is followed through and it's enforced, basically. Yeah, Carl, the, the Taoiseach also said he wants to see that the, the time that it takes to process uh, asylum seekers cut down from the current processing rate of 18 months to between 6 and 12 weeks. Has that been overly ambitious? Well, I think 18 months in itself is is kind of fictional because down in Medic, I would have known of families, uh, certainly, who would have been waiting eight or nine years for their case to be fully determined. A lot of these cases get held up legally. Um, there are some legal firms in Dublin in particular that specialise uh, in the whole issue, the whole area, <coughs> I should say, of immigration law. So I would have seen a lot of cases waiting eight or nine years for determination. That's wrong for the family um, and the children who have started to make Ireland their home. They've bedded into the community and have friends. But it, you know what? It's also wrong for the system because it's saying that Ireland is a system where uh, we're slow and lethargic to take decisions. It's unfair on those who genuinely need help. And it, it, it I suppose, emboldens those who have arrived here under false pretenses. To okay. yeah, you... So really we need speeding up and we need to... The, the system has legal robustness, but in how it's implemented, we don't always see that. Okay, okay, and you feel, uh, the, the, the 18 months was, was a, a fictional uh, timeline anyway. Uh, Violet, and what do you make of this decision by EU leaders? Uh, look, there's a surge of migration causing pressure on a number of member states. Uh, it was a decision that had to be taken. 
Yeah, well, look, the bottom line is this. We do need a fair and effective international protective system. Um, you know, and so far, the government and their failure in the handling of um, and the mismanagement of this situation has uh, arose to the conversations that were, ta- were seen taking place all across uh, the state over the last uh, number of weeks. Um, you know, I think it doesn't bode well for confidence um, in society, I suppose, in terms of the government's handling of the crisis. I mean, we've seen that Minister O'Gorman himself as minister had to write to his um, colleague ministers requesting, I suppose, emergency uh, response from, from their departments and cooperation in terms of helping him and assisting him in addressing the accommodation crisis um, that he, him and his department are facing now when it comes to uh, asylum seekers. Um, I think when the government spoke last year, they predicted that we would see an, uh, a surge of 200,000 refugees coming from Ukraine. And, and why we haven't reached um, those numbers, um, we're only at 75,000, I think, at this point in time. Uh, I think... You know, there, there, there isn't a need for a plan, but a comprehensive plan in terms of how the government are, are, are planning on, I suppose, addressing the, the housing accommodation crisis in, in the first place for those kinds of numbers. But also in terms of how they, they um, provide the relevant information that's needed for communities to be able to respond first and foremost, but also to be able to know what is happening and when it is happening, how it is happening and, and what is going on. I I think a lot of anger and a lot of confusion and a lot of, um, you know, space has been created for, for uh, false narratives or for, you know, other information to, to replace the accurate information that was needed from government and that kind of leadership and lack of leadership at this point in time and for the last year has not been acceptable. Um, you know, we have seen a, a number of protests take place over and um, up and down the country um, and the, the kind of hatred and anger that's been incited um, you know, is absolutely un- unacceptable. And I think the fact that the government and successive governments have failed to address, um, you know, housing crisis and our, our crisis in our healthcare systems is also doing nobody uh, a favour, I suppose, in the sense that it, it has allowed... Um, it has allowed for for those who um, are, w- would be deemed as far right to take advantage of the situation and to misdirect people. Yeah, uh, l- let me put that point to call. Uh, you know, as as uh, Violet Wynn says, we've seen numerous protests uh, around the country. Um, you know, led by people or involving people with that far right right wing agenda. Would you be worried that this decision uh, and you know? The, the, the comments from the Taoiseach will, will just echo the rhetoric of the far right or that it could add fuel to the, to the flames that have, have been fanned by them? Well, no, not exactly. I, I listened to what the Taoiseach had to say the other day and immediately, and this is the problem, and this is why I began my contribution with speaking about the importance of language here. Immediately, a lot of what he said was conflated and misconstrued. Um, for example, people talk about migrants. Um, a student who has come from Spain uh, on Erasmus study for six months is actually legally considered a migrant. That's, so the definition of being a migrant is very broad and the Taoiseach was very clear in his language but immediately some some elements did seize on it and try to misrepresent it and that will always be um, an awful factor when you when you deal with these kind of discussions. Look, like Violet Ann, um, there are people in the county who email our offices every day about this. They have concerns that, for example, uh, Lisbon Varna being one, 
the population there has increased uh, fourfold in the space of 10 months. And yet they would say that very little in their village has increased fourfold in terms of meeting you know, healthcare needs. The GP there, I believe, is due to retire soon. And you know, they're, they're asking questions. We want to play a role and we're positive, but how do we do it when we're not being resourced properly? Similar questions being asked in Shannon. And their questions we as public representatives want to answer and engage with. Frustratingly, as, as we debate as another day on your show, Alan, that information I think was largely withheld from us for a while, which, which led to um, questions and commentary getting out of control. You mentioned the far right. That is a factor. Uh, I'm seeing emails, but also stuff on social media coming in. Awful stuff, which isn't even worth mentioning on air, but um, it, I, I think a lot of it coming from outside the county. But we've it's even seen, Carl, other, politi- other politicians not happy with this decision. Uh, Barry Andrew, the Fianna Fáil MEP, he's described this, this crackdown from the EU as, uh, as uh, solely the narrative of the far right. No, I, I don't think. I think, it's, I think it's practical. I think, look, the... The Taoiseach and government have taken the position that, you know, our international protection system needs to be fair, it needs to be transparent, it needs to be welcoming, it needs to be care-providing, but also it can't be exploited. Um, and normally, in normal times, um, all of this debate doesn't happen because we have capacity in our international protection system to receive those who are coming in to provide care for them and to uh, for those who are deemed to be um, qualifying refugees, then they're fully looked after by the state and those who are not deported. Normally that happens unbeknownst to most people. I'd be a little bit more tuned in because it has been happening in Medic for many, many years. Now it's a national debate and I think really what the Taoiseach is saying is that the system that has been set up, it's long-standing. It's not a perfect system, but I think he's really saying that the cogs of that system, firstly in terms of assessing people coming in and determining that they have a legitimate need to be here, that needs to be sped up. For, for the families and the individual sakes, firstly, but also for those who are backlogged in the system, there's thousands of people. Um, as I said, some of them, they're not waiting 18 months. Some of them are waiting eight or nine years. That needs to be sped up. And then the other thing, I suppose, is that um, there's such a limit, I suppose, in the amount of accommodation available for people coming in seeking international protection that the Taoiseach has said, and I would hand over what he's saying, that we need to, you know, if someone has come here under false pretenses, um, and there has been a deportation, deportation order issued. Well, I think that needs to follow through on because as sure as night follows day, there's a family coming immediately after them from a war or famine situation in dire need of accommodation. And I think the bed and accommodation you need to be freed up for them. For those, okay. For just, a long time. Yeah, okay. Now it's become a national debate. Okay, let me bring uh, Violet Ann back in again. And, and uh, Violet Ann, just on that, uh, you know, you mentioned earlier on that there needs to be more resources and uh, people in areas uh, where, you know, asylum seekers, refugees are coming need to be uh, better informed. And, you know, we, we spoke recently uh, with Elaine Kingston from the uh, Shannon Residence Group about the plans for that uh, significant emergency accommodation facility. Uh, in in Shannon. That's something you have been questioning um, Integration Minister Roderick O'Gorman on in the Dáil. Were you satisfied with the response you received in relation to those questions? Because that's certainly something Elaine said to us uh, last week that just keen to point out that their concerns weren't, were purely to do with the lack of resources and, and, and amenities yeah. and how an additional significant number of people coming into the area would, would, would further impact upon that. 
Yeah, well, just to firstly say, I think um, the the comments there that you both were referring to from the Taoiseach, you know, I think in some ways he feels that he has had to provide some kind of reassurance um, to the people. And I think it was in some way some kind of attempt to diffuse the situation. But unfortunately, I'm not sure if the action now, rather than when it was required, is going to be timely enough um, to be able to abate people's concerns and fears and, and everything else that has, I suppose, spiralled over the last uh, number of weeks due to the lack of information. But just going back... But is it better late than... Sorry, Violent, is it better late than never to try and enact this? Because, you know, as Carl says, like, the situation... We're already struggling to accommodate, you know, legitimate asylum seekers, refugees, as it stands. Yes, no, absolutely. Obviously, action uh, at some stages is definitely more desirable than no action at all. But timely action and responsive action, um, and we have to remember, I suppose, that these people are, I suppose, fleeing war and all of that kind of stuff in very difficult circumstances. So, you know, to, to, to be able to have um, these kind of plans put in place after the fact is, is concerning, um, especially when it comes from, I suppose, prominent uh, roles of position of power. Um, but just going back to, to what you were mentioning there about the the Shannon Centre that was proposed. I mean, just in, in terms of how the information was uh, provided to the, the local people, I mean, that was just shocking. It, it was put into a, a news article in the Clare Champion, something around uh, the Unit 153 has been handed over from the OPW uh, and been made available to Roger O'Gorman's uh, department um, with the intention that this was going to be used uh, as emergency accommodation. I mean, straight away the, the the whole process uh, and how people would have opened their newspapers read this piece of information and straight away that would have heightened fears panic you know what's going on why are we finding out this information in this manner why isn't it coming from the head of government why isn't it been dealt with and managed appropriately considering we have known that this situation has been on our doorstep now for the last 12 months in what uh, way would you what in what way do you think that information should have been conveyed to people in the area well, first and foremost, it should have been conveyed with, with consideration and compassion um, and also, you know, not just uh, um, informing people that an excellent number amount of people are going to be arriving to the area, but what kind of supports and resources and wraparound supports are going to be provided? I mean, what got people's back up about um, the, the use of the unit in the Shannon Industrial Unit wasn't um, just a lack of information. It's also the fact that it's in a completely industrial um, end of, of um, the Shannon an airport zone um, so it's, it's not residential or anything uh, for that matter and it's obviously not uh, not supported by or surrounded by community or um, you know local services so you know I think the, the communities themselves got concerned for the, the adequate um, and quality and, and standard of life that was going to be provided to the to the people but also the fact that you know local residents you know have um, you know mentioned around the you know the issues that they would be experience in, in, in their own communities with the Shannon Health Centre, for example, uh, the local schools uh, being full to capacity, um, and also around GP care and dentist care. I mean, all of which has become a major issue and obstacle uh, for people, especially people with medical cards in the, the whole of County Clare. So I suppose they were relaying the fact that we were already experiencing shortages and, uh, and lack of services. So what was the government going to be able to do and how are they going to be able to um, intervene when there's been an influx of people to an area, are uh, they going to be able to provide extra support? And just before I go back to call, you did ask Minister O'Gorman uh, to commit to holding a public meeting in Shannon to, you know, answer, I'm sure, the many I questions did, yeah. from lo- local representatives such as yourselves, groups and residents. What answer did you get? 
Uh, well, he didn't. Um, he didn't commit, uh, which was very disappointing uh, in, in my respect because I think that kind of engagement, especially considering the information hasn't been forthcoming and hasn't been provided in the manner that it should have been in a professional and, and leadership way, um, then I suppose the, the situation does merit and warrant, I suppose, that kind of interaction with the minister to be able to build that confidence and to be able to, I suppose, relay, um, you know, reassurance that is needed to these communities that are being impacted. That's mostly important. Okay, Col, and just to finish with you on that then, when Elaine Kingston was in with us, you know, she just reiterated that, look, the local community, we just want to be heard around these plans. We want to to be kept better kept informed or kept better informed and that she believes that commitment for further resources for the area is needed. Do you think that commitment for further resources and a commitment to keep the locals better informed uh, should be given? And do you think Minister Gorman should hold a, a public meeting in Shannon to answer, I'm sure, the many questions that yourselves and groups and residents would have. Yeah, well, I think some of the information eventually came because I had to, on pre-stentally, I had to make a complaint to the office of Count Corla. I put down a series of dog questions in late December before Christmas. Now, I didn't get replies immediately, and I put that down to the Christmas break. But in January, I was told by Minister Gorman that everything going on in Shannon was commercially sensitive. He couldn't tell me a thing, not a scintilla of information. Now, that didn't wash with a community who were seeing people with hard hats and high-vis jackets going in and out of this building. They knew something was on. They were asking legitimate questions. I couldn't get legitimate answers. And the public don't... That doesn't wash with the public. A politician doesn't know what's going on. They don't believe it, and I wouldn't blame them because it's absolutely unorthodox and unheard of. We now have information. Um, we know that the plan is for in around 300 people. We believe that it could be a two-level, a two-storey configuration within the building, and that will be determined in the next week or two by design team. I don't know when he come down to Shannon. I don't expect he will. I, I don't imagine that that is the course of what's going to happen here. But the government uh, in the last week has committed a sum of £50 million to, to communities. Uh, pro rata, Claire, is, is expected to get around £2.9 million, And I think that kind of money... Yeah, it's nice to invest in sports facilities and all of that, but I think uh, whilst that will happen to some degree, really what needs to happen here is, you know, public and social capacity in these towns. Uh, Listen, Varna, um, I think, is absolutely struggling. It's beyond capacity at the moment and what it is able as a community to provide. Uh, Shannon is now putting its head up saying we want more as well. And I've gone to the uh, the Tarnish, uh, Michal Martin, about this specifically. I think we're going to look immediately at things such as the loss of GP care, in Liston Barn over the coming weeks, um, the public health capacity in Shannon. And as a teacher, I think it's absolutely wrong. It's blind and nonsensical for IPAS and Minister Radical Gorman to not have spoken to the six local schools in Shannon. Um, schools are very resilient and given enough of a lead in time, they can make this very successful, as they did last year. You know, schools have played an incredible role in Clare, but they cannot expect the six schools of Shannon to somehow be able to absorb hundreds of new pupils without having desks, classroom accommodation, personnel to teach them, language support teachers. A bit of forward planning, a bit of coordination and a little bit of God-honest old-fashioned dialogue with communities and stakeholders. Uh, and makes word, yeah. It saves us having to fight fire firefighting in the community and dealing with all sorts of um, mad theories and far-right elements coming out from Dublin. But, but it, it must be frustrating for you, Carl, you know, just to not be able to get the answers from Minister Gorman, because I'm sure, you know, when you're at meetings down in Shannon, people are coming to you for answers, and, you know, they, they probably find it hard to believe that a member of government, uh, a government party, can't can provide them with the answers. Yeah, it's not, it's not a very credible situation. Uh, and I made that point. I discovered that I, I had it confirmed to me during the course of um, 
uh, an RT drive time radio interview in which John Cook, formerly of Clare FM, was doing a little vox pop. And he confirmed, he confirmed on the radio that this centre in Shannon was going to open for refugees and it was confirmed on air. I didn't know anything of that. I mentioned that in the doll last week to Minister Roger Gregorman. It's not very... Um, collegial that I'm a colleague of his in government in there batting with him every day and I find out on the radio and yet he's, he can tell me it's commercially sensitive. That's embarrassed you basically. It, it is. But, but I, look, I'll get over embarrassment but more, moreover, it's it's not a thing that sits well for the communities I'm trying to represent. I have an elected mandate here. Uh, a far-right idiot coming down the train to stir up trouble in Shannon doesn't have a mandate. I have mm. a mandate. Violet Ann has. And the other elected representatives, we need and we want to be able to face all communities in the county and say this is what's going on factually, for okay. better or worse, and communities can absorb it. But for the last few weeks we've been firefighting internet. Um, uh, inaccurate, inaccurate, I should say, information and, and trying to scramble. I think we now have a set of information out there, but now the Minister needs to buck up, step up to the plate and engage with the community. Okay, well, we, 